chapter 5, and we're uh, finishing up here in our Beatitudes, our Heavenly Attitudes study uh, that we've been on for several weeks now. We have, we have taken some time in between to, uh, uh, to switch it up a little bit for special days, but I'm excited about the conclude. I feel like we've studied the Beatitudes. How many of you feel like you've gotten some, at least gotten something out of it? Humor me, please. Okay. All right. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we'll, uh, we'll read the entire, all the way down through verse 12. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his, opened, his, opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Uh, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed uh, are the peacemakers, uh, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse number 11, Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you. Revile means to... Oh, to mock, to, uh, to, to make fun of, um, and such. I think, we, I think you understand that. Uh, and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, lie about you, uh, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Father, I need you this morning. I pray that you'd meet with us in this brief time we set aside, Lord, to, to get into your word. I feel like it, it goes by so fast, Lord. I pray that you'd help me to do justice uh, to your word. Uh, Lord, I know it doesn't return void. I pray that you deem me a usable vessel, Lord. I empty myself of sin, Lord, of, uh, of myself, Lord, and I ask that you'd fill me. Use me, Holy Spirit, as only you can. Uh, Lord, I pray you'd speak to hearts this morning and help us from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There is a brand of uh, Christianity, I think, in America today that is foreign uh, to the New Testament age of Christianity, at least the, the first century uh, Christianity, uh, that is. Um, <clears throat> churches today... Uh, often market themselves, and we 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 do that to an extent. That's kind of what Facebook is. That's kind of what a uh, gospel tract and invitation to church is, uh, somewhat a sign. You know, that's that's marketing. Uh, we want to make ourselves available to the community. That's kind of the idea behind putting a bumper sticker on an officer uh, on an officer's vehicle and and saying that we support that. Uh, you know, we're getting the name of our church out, but at the same time, the, the main thrust behind that is the fact that we want to show the community that we support our officers. Uh, we're not wanting to defund them. We're wanting to encourage them. We're wanting to pray for them. We're wanting to support them. Uh, but today's Christianity, you're going to find, is has been largely marketed. Uh, there are, it's, it's, it's become an industry almost, uh, to an extent, how many have heard Joel Olstein in, in recent news? Uh, maybe it's about a month ago or so. Uh, you know, the plumbers found how much money was it in the walls? Anybody remember? Was it? 
it was a large amount, okay? And uh, I've, uh, so uh, Brother Dave and I, we disguised ourselves as plumbers, and we were going to go uh, down there, and, and <laughs> no, but uh, um, it's largely marketed. Money is involved in, uh, in, in different churches and such, and and it does take money. It does take money uh, to, uh, to perpetuate the gospel, yes. Uh, but uh, concerning marketing Christianity, there is, a, there is a brand of Christianity that's foreign to this idea of taking up our crosses, of uh, bearing the burden sometimes of living for God, and uh, trying to do right, not to, uh, uh, not to offend people, in our convictions of what we believe. And I guess you can say in a way that times haven't really changed though. In fact, the first century when Jesus preached that men should take up their crosses and should follow him, he was largely forsaken. People left that idea and uh, they ended up, as a matter of fact, crucifying him um, in the end. I heard of a church, uh, Brother, uh, Brother McGraw had mentioned, and I've heard of others too, that uh, churches where, and if you become a member, you sit down with a pastor and maybe a, a ministry uh, uh, member, ministry leader, and uh, you get assigned your ministries. You're, you're, in essence, you're, you're told what uh, you get to do as far as ministries are concerned. Um, and some places I think that's even uh, whether or not that's your spiritual gift or talent. And uh, you, you, if you can sing a lick, maybe you're, you're assigned to be in the choir, uh, maybe a, a, a group. If you're uh, young and you got some energies, ladies, uh, you are energy, you get uh, placed in the nursery, maybe if you got maybe diaper changing skills or kid skills at all. Or if you can yell loud, maybe you're put in a nursery, I don't know. But, but uh, I'm thinking of getting our choir reestablished, beefing up our nursery here and, and all that stuff. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Not kidding about choir and singing, man, I want you to, I encourage you to use your gifts and your talents for the Lord. Um, you are a, you are a part of the body of Christ. If you've been saved, God desires for you to be a part of this assembly, to use your spiritual gifts and talents for him and for his glory. And sometimes that requires taking up our crosses. That requires uh, inconveniencing ourselves uh, in certain areas. I'm thankful for those that uh, sign up to, to help clean uh, the church, and Alexander's did a great job uh, um, cleaning this past week, but that's an opportunity to be inconvenienced and, and to do something for the Lord there. So I want to say this. Shallow people have no problem following a religious leader who downplays convictions Listen to this, but they'll crucify a man who points the, the way to the narrow gate and says, this is the only way. Uh, this is the only way to heaven. And that, the fact of the matter is that that's, that's the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I want to say this morning, there is no way to heaven but through him. He is the way to the Father. Uh, Jesus is the mediator uh, between God and man. He is the only way to heaven. And uh, sometimes uh, people will crucify a man that will say uh, that uh, following Christ requires sacrifice. It requires work. It requires selflessness. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, 
Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's what the Bible says. As we follow Christ, as we have a desire to live for God, we are going to suffer persecution at times. Beginning with a man named Cain that persecuted his brother for uh, obeying God and bringing the first fruits of, of, uh, of his offering and then moving on down uh, to this day, committed Christians will be harassed. If you desire to do right, if you desire to live for God, uh, there is going to be persecution. As a matter of fact, all 12 of the disciples ended it in a martyr's death, save one. Anybody know who that is? John. And uh, it wasn't the, it was, well, I don't know if you want to you call being isolated on an island. I don't know what the island was like. I don't know what Patmos is like, but but he died there, isolated from people. He didn't have his head cut off, nevertheless, but he suffered a death of a martyr as well uh, for his convictions and for his beliefs. How many of you would honestly say that you have been persecuted in your life for your beliefs in Christ? I want to propose to you this morning that if you attempt to be a faithful follower of Jesus, you will get grief from others. You will get what the Bible says reviled. You will get persecuted and evil spoken of. As we study the last of these Beatitudes here, I'd like for you to notice regarding persecution. Number one, I want you to see the reality of persecution. The reality of persecution. If you endeavor to allow these Beatitudes to be your heavenly attitudes, if you desire to, to walk with God and obey Him and serve Him and live for Him, uh, then uh, you, uh, if you intend to be a bold witness for God, then you better expect persecution. We're not talking about something you provoke necessarily here this morning, but we're talking about persecution for righteousness sake. I want you to turn, hold your, uh, hold your spot in a Matthew 5, but turn to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be reinforced and seal a lot of scripture here that talks about Christians being persecuted for their beliefs. I don't doubt that we've had people persecuted. I, I believe I've experienced some persecution to an extent, but when I think of some of these stories and illustrations that I'm going to share with you, by far nothing compared to these. We see the reality of persecution the reality of persecution, we see being persecuted for righteousness sake, for righteousness sake. When I think of being persecuted for righteousness sake, I think of somebody standing up for righteousness, standing up for right. I, I picture somebody going to school, a public school, a young man going to school with their with their Bibles in under their arms as as one of their textbooks as well as or as one of their uh, the, something that they hold very valuable to their to their faith, to their being. I think of uh, Brother Dave would tell about his dad who worked at uh, uh, one of the one of the docks here somewhere. I think it was that uh, his, his dad. You'd see his dad going to work with his lunchbox and then his Bible under his arm, and then taking his Bible to work and, and reading it in break time. I think of stuff like that. I think of uh, I think of uh, not cheating. Uh, as a as an employee, uh, realizing that you may you may get uh, maybe not as much benefit, I guess, or uh, you may not get a promotion or something of that nature uh, because you choose to do things right. You're not cheating. You're not trying to get ahead uh, by doing things wrongly. 
but persecution for righteousness sake. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be, uh, be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On the part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man uh, suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on his behalf. It ought to be that, that we are glorifying God uh, on, on his behalf as, as we go about our activities for the glory of God. We like to revel in our identity in Christ, and I do too, and I, I believe we ought to do that, and, and rightfully so, but uh, it's, a, it's a good thing to marvel at who we are in Christ. I'm a king. I'm a priest. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the Most High, and that makes me a, a prince. If God's the King of kings and Lord of lords, what am I if I'm one of his children? I'm a prince. And if you're a, 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 a lady, then you're a, you're a princess uh, in the name of Christ. And, and all that is great and, and, and such. But uh, we, uh, the fact of the matter is I'm supposed to take up my cross as well. Three years ago, last September in Washington, there was a statement read into the congressional record that more Christians have been martyred in this past century than in any previous century. Martyred, for young people, you may not know what that word is, that means they were killed. There were people that were killed because they named the name of Jesus. They said, I'm a Christian. They said, I, I've, I've trusted Christ as my Savior to somebody else that was against that. In Indonesia, Muslims are murdering Christians. In most all of the 1040 window, Christians are being killed. Freedom House International said that in the last decade, 100,000 Christians in Sudan were murdered by Islamic fundamentalists. Here in the USA, I think there is, I think there is, I think there is persecution. Uh, but I want to say I believe the danger level isn't as high as in uh, in persecution as as other places but it is still real nevertheless. In Madison, Wisconsin, a firefighter, Ron Green, he had witnessed to another uh, person in the squad there, and, and he was reprimanded by his captain, and as a result of being uh, sharing the gospel with his co-worker, his captain ordered him to take diversity training. I guess it wouldn't matter if uh, I was getting paid for it, but I don't know that he's getting paid for it. Listen, if you don't go along with the whole LGBTQ thing nowadays, there will be persecution. You'll be looked at for, for being uh, insensitive. You'll be looked at for uh, as, uh, as uh, not uh, uh, insensitive. The Canadian government uh, said that, actually, uh, Trinity Western University recently was denied accreditation because students were being asked to sign an agreement that they would abstain from a homosexual lifestyle. The Canadian government said that the program is discriminating. 
You'll be marked intolerant if you don't go along with a whole lot of these things here. And But God's word is the same as it was yesterday. It'll be the same tomorrow. God's word won't change. And God's opinion of uh, these different uh, sins are the same as they were from the beginning. And they'll be the same. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning, the end. It hasn't changed. When the government mandate with the Obamacare uh, took place, oh, what now, six years ago or so, it initially forced companies to provide abortion pills, uh, pills to their employees, which to some went against their biblical convictions and their religious views. How is the government going to tell me as an employer that I need to pay uh, to, to, for abortion uh, pills for my employees when I'm against that according to my religious convictions? You shouldn't have to pay for that. It's a different, totally different story. If they want to pay for it on their own, I'm still against it, uh, but it's still wrong. Certain mandates that are right now are wrong. And we'll be persecuted. We'll be reviled for our religious convictions and beliefs according to God's word. The Supreme Court did rule in favor that it was against religious freedom for the employers to have to pay uh, for that to their employees. But persecution for righteousness sake is something that we need to consider. It's the reality of persecution. And then also there's persecution for righteousness sake, but it also says for his name's sake. Look at verse 11 of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my, uh, for my sake. People don't mind if you're a Protestant. People don't mind if you're a believer. But uh, when you say they're a Christian, when you say you're a Christian, that, that kind of changed things a little bit. When you say that you believe that Jesus is the way to heaven, that Jesus is God, that, that narrows your identification down a little bit uh, sometimes there as we're persecuted for his name's sake. I'm a Christian, by the way. I've trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that he is God. There's no other way to heaven. That's what this church is, uh, teaches and preaches too. I coexist with others. But the Bible says that Jesus is right. It says the word of God is right and all others are wrong. John 15 verse 20 says, Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. What's he saying in that passage there? God says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And so we need to be ready for that in our lives. We need to be teaching our young people how to deal with persecution as they grow up in today's society. How are you going to deal with it when somebody comes? And the Bible says that, that, that we ought to have an answer for every uh, person that asketh uh, a, a question of what we believe. I summarized and paraphrased that. I believe it's in Peter, though. If you don't conform to the world or compromise what you believe, you're going to suffer. That's just a fact of matter with uh, persecution. I remember uh, this is this is very minimal persecution, but I I can uh, remember 
uh, very clear. I remember uh, two different jobs that I had, uh, one before Bible college and then one after as I was in Bible college. Uh, one was a retail job. I worked at a, uh, an outlet mall at a uh, Liz Claiborne outlet store. They did have men's stuff there too, okay? Uh, but I remember working there, and I remember interviewing both uh, with these uh, jobs there that uh, I, uh, to the manager, I said, you know, I, I have a conviction that I, I can't work on Sundays. I don't, I, I go to church on Sundays, and so I, I'm not able to, to work. If, you're high, if you hire me, I want you to know that. And uh, so they were okay with that. They just have to, you know, rework the schedule a little bit, I guess. But um, so I got to work, and I think there was another guy that worked there for a short amount of time, but for the most part, I was the only guy there. And uh, with that comes persecution, if you are with a bunch of ladies, you know, uh, because they expect you to do it all. I, uh, I'd say that. You know, they, uh, they bring in the, uh, the, uh, the merchandise from the trucks, and it gets offloaded and stuff. And, and so the way it started out was, typically, if you work in retail, you know, you, you bring the, the shipments come in, and then you got to stock the shelves and put the merchandise up there and everything. And, and so as it comes out throughout the week, then you put it in throughout the week, including Saturdays, which Saturdays and Sundays are typically busy, pretty busy uh, for retail. But I remember when it first started, yes, they were unloading all the things. They were unloading the trucks, and they were stocking on Saturdays and Sundays. But after a while, they, they got used to the only guy being there. At least that's, this is how I see it. And so they started saving all the merchandise uh, not to be stocked on Saturdays and Sundays. But when I came in on Mondays, man, I had this all this stuff that I had to stock. And like, what are you ladies doing? How come nobody was doing anything on Sundays? And I remember a couple of them saying, well, you're the, you're the man, you're the guy. And I know that's, that's a pathetic thing for persecution, but I do have another one, okay? <laughs> I worked at a Rite Aid warehouse, and this was during Bible college, and, and I had backup, though. There were other preachers that worked. I remember interviewing. I said, I can't work, can't work on Sundays. I'm, I'm training for the ministry. I'm, I'm a Christian, and, and so I need my Sundays off, and and uh, so the way it worked, it we'd we'd get the trucks come in, and they they they'd back up to the uh, to the building, the warehouse, and then there'd be these huge. Uh, they wouldn't be all packaged; they would be all individual items. And so you'd unload these items from the truck down this conveyor belt to this other area, where then I would have to take the merchandise, and I'd have to stack it up on pallets, and then I'd take it on a forklift, drive it over to this. Uh, I don't remember if I drove it yet. I think uh, we stacked it up on the pallets, and then we'd have this automatic um, wrapper that would wrap these pallets so that then we can take them over and we could put them on a truck or we can load them up. Well, um, it started off very similar to where, you know, Saturdays you'd have shipment come in, and Sundays you'd have shipment come in and, and stuff. And so as it come down the conveyor belt, you'd take it off, you'd, you'd palletize it, you'd wrap it, and you'd take it over here. Well, after a while, when these Christians, it was a new Rite Aid warehouse, um, and so people realized that, hey, the, the Christians, the Baptists, the preachers are coming in on, on Monday, and so we can just uh, take it easy on Sunday. It's, it's Sunday, and, and uh, as I remember, I remember that they'd work hard. It didn't start off all backed up on Monday, but after a few months, the people from the Sunday shift would leave it for the preacher boys to come in. And we'd go in there and we'd see these long, I'm not, ta I'm not exaggerating, these conveyor belts would be 
from here to the back end of the room there, even further than that. And there'd be several of them. There'd be like two conveyor belts coming to this pallet. Well, normally, before, they were clean. They, they didn't have merchandise on them. But now these conveyor belts were all backed up with all the merchandise there. And so we'd come in and we'd have to We'd have to start off by getting the stuff unstuck from the conveyor belt and then start wrapping it up. And then we could push the button for the merchandise to come down the conveyor belt. And then I'll tell you what, that, that got annoying. And, uh, but we dealt with it. And, and so Sundays were the busy days on, on, on the dock there. And, and uh, they, were the, they were the lazy days for the jerks eventually. Uh, they became jerks. And, and, uh, but, but what did you do, Pastor Sam? Did you... Did you did you fight him? Did you, did you get mad? Did you go tell the, I, I, I'll admit I did tell the supervisor. I didn't think it was right that they did that, but we just busted our humps and we got the job done and, and uh, we, we tried to have a good testimony and we worked hard. We showed them that we're not afraid of hard work and that we're going to let their little games, we're going to play their little games. We're just going to win and uh, do that's what we're getting paid for. And so we got the job done, but, but uh, the Bible says, our reward is great in heaven. Blessed are they when men persecute you and revile you for my name's sake. For great is your reward in heaven. And so there is the reality of persecution. I know the, that's nothing compared to persecution that happens in a 1040 window. That's nothing compared to persecution that happens in, in fundamentalist Muslim countries where People actually get killed for identifying with Christ, for having a cross, and maybe not even really believing in salvation by grace through faith in Christ, but you have some kind of a Christian memento. But there will be persecution. And in the days ahead, in the coming days, the Bible says there will be even more uh, persecution. If you don't receive that mark, you will be killed. And so uh, we see the reality of persecution. Number two, we see the reaction of persecution. What does God tell us to do? How does God tell us to respond uh, when we are susceptible, when people give us persecution? Well, I think we ought to prepare ourselves for it. We ought to prepare ourselves. Have you ever thought about how you would respond when somebody asks you, about why you believe that Jesus is the, the way, that, that he is the way to heaven. Have you prepared yourself to give an answer? I think we ought to do that. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, the Bible says, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. Arm yourselves likewise with the same, what does that mean? Go grab your, get your, Make sure you're packing. I mean, I'm not against that. We, we can take it like that. But, uh, but we're to arm ourselves in our thoughts and in our mind how we're supposed to respond. Uh, blessed are the persecuted. And then, and then it tells us a little bit here uh, how to respond, what we're supposed to do. Um, it says, for he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin. Uh, don't react. Don't resent. Don't retaliate. Uh, smile. Pray for your persecutors. Uh, don't uh, have the blessings. Uh, they don't have the blessings that you've got. Uh, they, don't have, uh, they don't have the hope that you have uh, within you of the promise of a home in heaven oftentimes. Chances are they're not saved. 
uh, the Lord isn't on their side like he is on your side. How many of you have ever reacted to persecution or slander wrongly? I, 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 I meant to say privately, but uh, <laughs> privately answer that. Uh, yeah, I'm not ashamed. I'm, I'm ashamed of it. Yeah. But uh, on March 11th, 1830, a British girl was doing lessons with a tutor. She began to study her genealogical chart, and she became aware that she was next in line for the throne. She realized that the debauchery and the extravagance of her royal uncles uh, was, was just despicable. And uh, she looked at her tutor and she said this. She says, I will be good. It was the future queen, Victoria. And she restored the reputation of her family during her rule. Uh, her legacy was so profound that uh, the time of her reign is now looked back at and known as the Victorian era. We look back and we, we see even houses and buildings when we call those Victorian homes and, and uh, accredited to uh, her good uh, ruling. The fact is that Victoria would one day be queen. Uh, it had motivated her to a higher level of living, a higher standard of, uh, of character and living. And, and uh, what did you do, Pastor Sam, when you had to load all those conveyor belts? And uh, because of those lazy workers, they, they left you the night before. Uh, did, you, uh, did you? We just got to work. Um, I prayed, God, would you give me? I can't say that I prayed for them necessarily. At least I don't remember praying for them like I should have, but I prayed that God would give me grace and empower me to, to have a good testimony there. We busted out the loads and, and we showed them how Christians worked hard. You know, one day Christ will rule and reign. He, he does, but one day he'll rule and reign on this earth. And we'll be ruling and reigning with him, those, that are, those of us that are saved for approximately a thousand years. And we must remember that that God returns good uh, for evil. Uh, we need to get on that royalty mentality. We need to realize that who we are. I'm a, I'm a child of the king. I need to respond like it. I need to react like it. I need to conduct myself uh, like it. Just because I'm persecuted uh, doesn't mean that I've lost the identity of who that I am. In reacting to persecution, we need to prepare ourselves for it. And the Bible says we need to rejoice in it. That's easy to say, but it's hard to do. We need to pre prepare ourselves. We need to rejoice in it. James chapter 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Count it joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Why? Uh, why persecution, reviling, etc. Uh, uh, it always drives us closer to God who examines our priorities and trials are often uh, to point me uh, to God and my heavenly family. Psalm 119 verse 67 says, uh, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. Psalm 119 verse 21 says, Thou hast rebuked the proud and are cursed, which do err from thy commandments. I should prepare myself for persecution. I should rejoice in persecution. And then how should I respond? I should respond in love. 
I should respond in love. I want you to look at Matthew 5. Now skip on down. Go down to verse number 44. Maybe turn over a few pages. Matthew 5 tells us how to respond in persecution. Verse 44. He says, But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Love your enemies. The world, the world hates their enemies. But what do Christians supposed to do? We're supposed to love our enemies. Um, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute. I'm not always good at doing this. And so I need this reminder myself of what I'm supposed to do when, you, you know, and, and the majority of the time we think they're enemies, we're the one that think they're enemies. They don't necessarily come out and tell us they're our enemies. But we think they're our enemies. So we need to be reminded, okay, I think that's an enemy of mine, God. And that may, should make me click, what do I need to do for them? I need to pray for them. I need to... See, I need to be reminded again. Here we go. Bless, I need to bless them as they're cursing me, as they're thinking evil against me, as they're scheming of, of bad towards me. I ought to bless them. I, I've learned from my wife and a few things, and I can't remember the particular occasion. But I know there have been times where my wife has feel like somebody has had odds against her, so, where she thinks maybe that somebody's got a negative. Can you believe that? Who in the world would think negative towards my wife, right? Uh, or maybe it was a situation towards towards me, and and she wanted to be the peacemaker, and and uh, she's maybe sent a, a gift or uh, uh, some kind of a card or something. Everybody's wondering, did did Miss Krista send me a card? <laughs> uh, no, but there's been times where she's maybe sent a text of prayer. Or so, again, I can't remember the specifics, but I know there's a, a gift that's been given. How do you bless somebody? Give them a gift. Tell them they're praying for you. We ought to be praying for them, the Bible says. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Christian love, it's not a shallow sentiment. It's not a, you know, it's not cliche. This is, this is deep, deliberate actions that we're supposed to do towards our enemies. It's a command of God, and, and uh, God's commands, listen to this, they're usually followed even by blessings. So God tells you to something, do something when somebody curses you, reviles you, uh, makes fun of you, or what have you. Uh, we're supposed to do good by them. We're to pray for them. And then not only that, as we're doing those things, as God has commanded us to do those things, blessings come along with them. In addition... So that's God's economy. In 1982, John Hinckley, he shot President Reagan. The following day, President Reagan made the statement and he said this, I know my physical healing will be partially due to my ability to forgive John Hinckley. We know uh, President Reagan, had a he's a professing Christian. He trusted Christ as Savior and and uh, probably one of the greatest presidents we've had, if not the greatest. But is there someone who's hurt you this morning? 
can I encourage you to forgive? Is there somebody that's done you dirty, done you wrong, and, and uh, personal healing has a lot to do with our own forgiveness of circumstances? Bitterness destroys its own container. Bitterness will desensitize us. It'll cause a, a, a dulling of our senses and of our, our sensitivity to the things of God. It'll, 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 it'll sever and even uh, um, distort our relationship, our communion with God. We see the reality of persecution. We see the reaction that we should have to persecution. Then number three, I want you to notice here uh, in uh, verse number 10, Matthew 5. I'm just going to read it again. Verse number 12. The reward of persecution. The reward of persecution. Verse number 10, it says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you uh, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. In heaven. I believe God rewards here on earth, but specifically he says one of the places of reward is heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Uh, I want you to understand that the word blessed means this. It means the serenity of soul. It's where inner joy comes through God. God is the source of joy. Now, happiness and joy are two different things. I think we know this, but let this be a reminder here. Happiness can, can come from outside circumstances, uh, but it can also come from deep abounding joy. Um, happiness, real Spiritual, true happiness doesn't come outside of joy. Happiness can be fleeting. Uh, joy is more permanent. More Joy is more deep-rooted and more valuable uh, than a temporary uh, fleeting of happiness. And so, uh, blessed uh, means this, serenity of soul. It's where inner joy comes through God. It means when you're persecuted, there, there's an inner character that's developing. God is developing within us. Uh, it, 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 persecution isn't for naught. Uh, reviling isn't for naught. It's not for nothing. God desires to use persecution and things of that nature to help grow us and be conformed in the, into the image of God. John Wooden said this. He says, be more concerned with your character than you are your reputation because your character is who and what you really are. Your reputation is merely what people think you are. That's always changing, it seems like. We focus on the character, our reputation. When we focus on the character, what's really as important is what God thinks about us. And he's the one that gives us the character. We see that uh, the reward uh, for this persecution. We see a blessedness. And then number two, we see that great is our reward in heaven. Look at verse number 12 again. Rejoice. When persecution comes your way, rejoice. When reviling comes your way, rejoice. When you're lied about for the name of Christ, rejoice. And be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven. It doesn't say you're going to get a reward in heaven. It says great. 
a great reward. You know, I think most of us understand this, but there are several crowns that we earn on this earth while we're here on this earth that we receive when we get to heaven. And uh, this happens to be one of those, the, the persecution, uh, I forget the exact name of that, of that crown there, but it's a great reward that God says we'll get when we get to heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Persecution and suffering are a real part of the Christian life. But with the proper response, it'll drive us closer and make us stronger for the glory of God. I'm going to read this verse and then I'm done. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Do I have that there? That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. But notice it comes through the fellowship of his sufferings, as on being made conformable unto his death. Blessed are the persecuted, for great is their reward in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the opportunity we have to endure persecution. Lord, I, I know I say this verbally. It's a different story to live it. It's a different story if my life was on the line. Lord, but I pray that you'd help us understand persecution is real. Different manners and different aspects. Different regards. Situations. We will be persecuted. You promise to bless as we endure those, as we pray for our enemies, as we love them, as we do good to them, as we try to show them the goodness and love of God. Lord, I pray that you'd work. I pray that you'd have your will and your way in our hearts this morning. May we search our hearts. May we, may we learn that we need to be prepared for a time when persecution comes. May we learn that we need to, we need to teach that there will be persecution to our young ones. God, may we look to you when the time comes. We are being persecuted. Heads bowed and eyes closed. We're gonna let's all stand. As the piano plays this morning, if you'd like to do business with God, ask him to search your heart. Ask him to work in your heart. Ask him to help you to have the answers uh, when persecution comes. Ask him to, to help you to have the convictions as you go through life to try to please him with the life that he's given to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around, I just want to ask a few questions during the invitation. Now's the time of our invitation where you ask the Lord to search your heart. Apply the message of God's word, how God has spoken to you from his word. Maybe you struggle like your pastor has struggled in in how to respond to people who do you wrong. Somebody who does me dirty, man, my first response isn't to pray for them. My first response is a worldly response oftentimes. That, and how can I teach them a lesson? How can I get even with them? How can I, how can I show them? I'm not going to stand for this, that I have my rights. Oh, we need to be prepared and ask the Lord to help us in our response a scriptural response. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that you need to forgive. 
oh, they did me wrong. I didn't appreciate that, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta show them. God says to forgive. God says to uh, do good to them. God says to pray for them. Have you prayed for them? To be here this morning, I'd like to ask this question. I don't want to have a service without an opportunity to respond, to receive Christ. Maybe you're here this morning, you don't know that you're a child of God. You don't know that you've been born into God's family. God is working on your heart about that. Holy Spirit is convicting you. You're not certain that if you died that heaven would be your home. But if, if uh, somebody could show you from God's word, you'd like to get that settled. And I'd like to pray for you about that. Is there somebody here this morning, you say, Pastor Sam, I'm not certain that if I died that heaven would be my home. But I'd like to know, I'd like to know, would you pray for me so that I could know that? Is there somebody here this morning and you're not certain of that? Raise your hand so that I can pray for you. Let me pray for you. Don't be bashful. Don't, don't hesitate. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. God wants you to know. He doesn't want you to have any doubts about that. There's boldness in knowing you're secure and on your way to heaven. And God desires for you to be bold in his name. Heads bowed and eyes closed. As the piano plays, I want to encourage you to do business with him.